0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just
1: about anywhere.
2: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
0: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time.
2: No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Lucky. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Peer Pleasure with Dewey Halpus on Jabberjaw Media. I am Dewey, your host with the most, bringing you more great content week after week. This week, we have comedian Liz Mealy. Liz Mealy is one of the comedians that travels internationally. She's been all over the world. Absolutely hilarious. Just released a new special and... I found her absolutely hilarious. Um, I had a great time chatting with her. It's something we had worked out um, to try and work out where she was coming to town. And then COVID happened and everything just went downhill. So uh, anyways, we did this one over the phone. Uh, We did it a while back, but I wanted to put it out uh, because I thought it was a great episode. And yeah, what better time than now? So thanks to Liz for coming on the show. Um, you know, she's got a podcast of her own. Uh, yeah. So there's all sorts of of facets to, uh, comedians these days. They all, everyone has a podcast. Everyone has, you know, their specials tours, but now tours aren't happening. So definitely, uh, go support Liz hit up her stuff on Spotify. Um, check out her new special on YouTube and, uh, yeah, send her some love. Anyways, uh, let's get some business out of the way first guys. Uh, let's see. Peerpleasurepodcast.com is the website. Peerpleasurepod at gmail.com is the email. If you want to get in touch with me, uh, shoot over guest comments, uh, or excuse me, guest suggestions, comments, uh, anything else you want to send over, send my way. Been getting a lot of awesome guest suggestions or people wanting to connect me with people. That's um, been pretty awesome lately. Done some good interviews and, uh, yeah, or good conversations, rather. And, and those will be coming out soon as well. All right, guys, Uh, I'm going to get into this one because I've got a lot going on and and, uh, not a whole lot to talk about this week. Um, There's lots of big stuff coming, but nothing I can speak of now. So, without further ado, let's get into this episode with Liz Mealy. What's up? How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing?
0: You know, I went for a walk today, and I paced also around the apartment, so I'm feeling pretty fit right now. Um, <laughs> I don't want to brag, but I'm pretty much a physical specimen um, that people should really look up to, and that's that's how I feel right now. Excellent. So this, this is going to be a really cocky interview. This is a- <laughs>
2: It's not the first. It's not the first cocky interview I've had. No. I, it, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> I'm out here giving tips on how to be physically fit with pretty much the ability to lift six pounds, but yeah, yeah, there that's you where go. I am right now.
2: <laughs> this is a Brooklyn apartment.
0: Yeah, <laughs> okay, I'm staying so with my it's boyfriend. Huge. So, it, yes, yes, you know, because I'm filled with uh, wealth and space, and um, it was kind of funny. I started pacing just because, like, you know, my back started hurting. Um, last my whole back, not just my lower back, my whole back and my shoulders started hurting. And I know it's from the lack of movement. So today I just started pacing while answering emails and he's like, are you okay? And I was like, I know it looks like I'm trying to think about how to defuse a bomb, but I'm actually just emailing people back while not sitting.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Man. That, that, yeah. See, I'm, I'm not in the, a similar boat cause I'm, I'm back to work. Like I'm, I'm, I, I, I was off for two weeks. Like, it was. I work in construction. I I come from the music world, but I'm now in construction because I have kids and, and needed a steady income that wasn't, you know, up in the air all the time. Which, a funny thing now is it can definitely be up in the air with this whole shit going down. Yeah, now everybody, everybody's choices are wrong. <laughs> Everyone, everyone's good. <laughs> two, 2020 is like a mulligan or whatever the the phrase is where you you get a second chance. Like, you just kind of, eh, maybe I'll pay the credit card bill this month. But they say I don't have to, so they say they'll work yeah. with me and or uh don't have to pay around any of that stuff it's just such a fucking wild time <laughs> i'm still yeah, trying to it really figure is. it all out i mean you got you're in fucking ground zero over there in in new york what's it what's it like over there right now like it is i wouldn't say it's calming down but are people kind of getting used to what's going on over there like being um
0: i actually uh, it's funny we just went for a walk um me and my boyfriend so we literally watched a dude get out of his car to fight another guy who was walking by that I guess he almost like he says he almost hit his family but I actually just think he wanted to pick a fight <laughs> and like there's a part of me that's like I think that's gonna be the future like I actually think morale is gonna like even though we're kind of used to this I think mentally even if like you're fine at home like we're going to start fighting with strangers if not fighting with our spouses and kids. And like, I just think, I know that's not a positive answer, but I do think this is really going to start to wane on people, not because of actually being a part of it, but just the uncertainty, uncertainty, Mm -hmm. if I could pronounce that right. Like, it's just like, we don't know when our states are going to open up and we don't know how long this is going to be. And we don't know, you know, I don't want to say when our lives are normal, but just feel slightly safer. Like, so in some ways I think we've adapted in New York and I, I feel like most people, you know, keep in mind, I barely leave the house. Like I go grocery shopping once every two weeks and, and go for like a run. But, um, I feel like people are trying to make an effort. And and doing their part. And I think we as New Yorkers are taking it very seriously because it it hit us one of the hardest states, but also just in general, we're all on top of each other. But I do think as this goes on, I think people are emotionally going to start taking it out on people.
2: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. And it's uh People talk about you know this brings out the best in people and it also brings out the worst. I mean I've seen plenty of the of both, but uh, I can't tell. Yeah, I can't tell which which direction it's going to go. And and I saw something today on Vegas talking about being the case study for or like the guinea pigs for reopening and seeing what happens. And I don't know. I Vegas? wasn't able to watch. Yeah, they were talking about in Vegas like opening up the casinos. And that they're willing to be, it was it, all this, it was on Facebook or something randomly. I was like on a break and I, I didn't actually watch the video, so it could be fake, but it all it said was, what I, the fuck? Also, and it was yeah, like, yeah, I
0: also feel like Vegas is the last, like everybody chain smokes and probably <laughs> is like riddled with STDs. Like, I don't think they're like the immune system that we want to test this on.
2: Yeah, <laughs> like, like if I, we I reopen, mean, like, what's going to happen? Is everyone going to die? Or are we going to be fine? Like, we're willing to be the, like, let's open. And just see what happens. And I was like, wait, what? Uh, <laughs> what the fuck?
0: Absolutely
1: yeah, insane. I don't know. Absolutely I'm, insane. I'm,
0: I'm just, I'm, it just sucks because as a performer, I'm the least essential. Like there's tons of people that are semi-essential that are still going to be kind of on the back burners of the reopening. But as somebody that's like 100% crowd-based and non-essential, like I'm 2 I'm like two for two for not come, going back to work. And so, you know, I don't want to be an alarmist and be like comedy is dead, but there is a part of me that since day one has pre- been preparing for this to be the If it's not just the great depression for the economy, it's the great depression for comedy specifically. Like I'm, I don't know if I, it's funny. There was a friend of mine that posted something. Her name's Julia Rossi. She's really funny. She's like, is everybody, Also experiencing the day where you wake up and everything is lost and you have no hope. And then the next day you wake up with rejuvenated energy and it's all going to work out. And then the next day you wake up depressed with no hope. And then the next day you wake up with rejuvenated energy. And I was like, yeah, that's really where I am. It's like one day I'm like planning and it'll be fine. And even if this goes on for a year, I can handle it and it's going to be okay. And then the next day I'm just like, doesn't matter. I'm just going to eat (laughs) Cheez-Its.
2: like Jesus. <laughs> like. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well so just, you actually
0: got me on a good day isn't that crazy I'm, I, <laughs> this hey, is me on a good day <laughs> it, can go,
2: it can go either way <laughs> maybe I can ruin your day I don't know I uh, the, uh, do you do you uh like well I the, so my show is basically like a conversation like we don't I don't have any notes or anything like that like it's all just a natural cut so it can kind of go anywhere but Speaking of this, like right in the beginning, like uh, and you were telling me when we were emailing back and forth that like there's just like the waves of sadness. And then, you know, like up and down, ups and downs, ups and downs, uh, you know, is mental mental illness uh, affect you? Like, or do you do you suffer from, um, you know, I've seen, you know, in the special and stuff. And I know a lot of things in, in specials and stuff aren't not necessarily true. Like they're kind of amplified or or uh, used in a different way. But I know you talk about, you know, having some struggles with that. Is that something you struggle with?
0: It is. I mean, yeah. I mean, everything I kind of say on stage is, is for the most part true. I think there's like minor details. Like I always say, like a joke is probably anywhere from 99 to 90% true with like the, sometimes it's the order things happen in being shifted or like just little minor details. Um, And then really, the biggest struggle is that while I'm writing a joke and polishing a joke, I get further away from the joke. So I, you know, the, the major lie in every joke is usually I'll be like, well, this happened yesterday or this happened two weeks ago, or this happened last month, but mm-hmm. it takes me anywhere from two weeks to six months to polish a joke. So that's like usually the biggest lie is that it's not something that just immediately happened unless you're hearing me say it for the first time. But yeah, mental health is, I mean, mental illness in general is a, a, all throughout my family. And I, I've struggled with depression on and off probably since I was a little kid. I think if I'm being really honest, I think I started to become more aware of it as a teenager.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It it runs in my family. My mom's definitely dealt with it. My dad's dealt with it. My grandmother's sadly both dealt with it and, and died from it. And then um, my little brother has bipolar one. Um, So if you don't, if people don't know anything about bipolar, there's bipolar two, which is depression and mania. And then bipolar one, which my my brother has depression, mania, psychotic breaks. Like when he first started having episodes, people thought he was schizophrenic Mm -hmm. and then he was diagnosed with bipolar one. So um, luckily, you know, knock on everything. He's been great for about four years now. And um, he was, he's always been one of my favorite people. And Weirdly enough, I think he's adapted to this lifestyle the best. Like, I don't think my brother Sam has his lifestyle has changed from before or after the pandemic. <laughs> like, he's <laughs> like, Yeah, I always stayed inside mm-hmm. and paced around my house. Um, but uh, in a lot of ways, I was really worried. And I, I still have some fears that this will send me into a depression. I think what's interesting about having an awareness of it having built kind of skills and then also even just being nicer to myself when it happens, because I think I like kind of pile it on, which is like I'll hit, I'll hit a depressive episode and then I'll beat the shit out of myself for being depressed. Uh, Cause that's helpful. Um, I think as I've at least been in therapy long enough and, and dealt with enough lows that I've learned to, not try to control the depression and not, um, try to make it worse. So in some ways I think I'm kind of more mentally prepared for me not to feel great, whether it's just in general, like I I'm having a low day and I'm just going to accept it or I'm in a depressive episode. I don't really know what triggered it. I don't know when it's not when I'm going to stop feeling this way and just kind of the same way that like people. So they say the average span of like a common cold is anywhere from seven to 10 days. And then all these kind of like, you should take vitamin C, you should take zinc, you should be doing this. You know, they're kind of being like, yeah, you can do that, but it's still going to be seven to 10 days. So whatever you do, it just needs to kind of run its course. Mm-hmm. And I think there's some of that is how I feel about it specifically depression. I mean, I, and and mine, I would say like, I've had bad episodes, but for the most part, I would say they're moderate. I mean, My brother and several of my friends have gone through like some really bad clinical depressions where I don't think this advice is reasonable. But at least for me, in my adulthood, I would say just kind of accepting having some tools, letting people know this is where I am, accepting some help, allowing myself to just kind of sit in it a little bit, as well as at least make myself do minor things like go for a walk or, you know, read a book and talk to nobody whatever it is that I have to do to kind of feel at least slightly better mm-hmm. but I've yet to go through anything in this time um but I I think even just the fact that I have an awareness that it's something that could happen um is helpful or at least for me
2: yeah okay then the reason I ask is because I mean same I'm in the same boat with depression like it's something I can't I have a hard time talking with people about it because it's they don't a lot of people don't understand what it's like so it's like my wife especially like she just hates it she's just like oh this is how you're gonna be today all right you know like which sends me even further down the spiral but it's it's just like a like I just describe it as like a blanket like I'll just you can feel it just kind of like come across you and then everything is different and you can see it happening or I can see it happening and then it just – it's it's weird. And then you so you have like good and bad days and all that. And, and that's why it's so interesting to talk about with other people because it's – it's it seems very prevalent now. But still, there's still most people I can't really talk with about it because it's just like they don't understand. They're just like, oh, are you still so just snap out of it or like, yeah, go for a walk okay. or whatever. And that doesn't always help, you know.
1: Yeah,
0: and and I just feel like nobody would say that to anybody that had cancer. Like, hey, just snap out of it. Yeah. Like, yeah, I know you. I know you don't know how long you're going to have these cancer cells or be uncomfortable or or even if you're going to die. But you should just you know feel better. And you're like, great advice, everybody.
2: Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Cool. It's almost insulting. <laughs> like it's,
0: yeah, and it's- I I think. I, I've surrounded myself with enough people that I can go, Hey, I'm not my best today. And I don't know how long it's going to be like me and my little sister are really close as well. And like, she's somebody that like I can call and be like, I'm not okay. And I just need you to sit with me with it. And I've also had her call me up and be like, I'm not okay. And we need to talk. And I'd be like, Hey, I'm also not okay. And I think you need to find a different point person today. (laughs) Like, you know, it's, it took a long time to be in that place, but like, I've, I've, we've also done it where I've tried to be her point person, even when I was at my best and it just ended up making things worse or us getting in a fight. So now I've, I, I had a friend watch this happen and she was like blown away where my sister like, I'm upset. I just need to talk. And I go, Emmy, I just, I can't today. And she was like,
1: okay, bye. <laughs> and it was like,
0: and like, and like went and talked to somebody else and uh-huh. it didn't, you know, it didn't affect us. It, we were fine. But that took, I mean, she's about five years younger than me, but that, that took, Oh, I mean, we started to be able to do that maybe like three years ago. So yeah. it took a, a good 15 years to be at that place. But even just being able to, and then I am i also am able to kind of check in. Like there's certain friends that I always talk to in some form, whether it's like via Instagram message or text or phone, and just being able to like, I'm not okay this week. And I think I might pull back a little bit, but I also think I might need you to check in on me. And that's been really helpful too, to be able to, almost be my own point person, like be able to uh, uh, even just be able to ask for help in a little ways. Like, Hey, I might need a friend to tell me it's going to be okay this week, Uh but I'm also going to pull back and be a shitty friend.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you seems like, you know, what you need, like you, 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 uh, like you're saying with the cold, like where it just needs to run its course, you know, what's going to happen and, and where you're going to be at. And you know, kind of, uh, you know, Let's say you're going on a trip and you you've started getting cold that morning. You're going to pack your cold medicine. You're going to pack whatever you know what you're going to need and and able to ask for that. That's a really interesting. I've not heard anyone really talk about it that way. I I talk to a lot of people on the show with with uh, depression and and all kinds of things, but that's an interesting take on it. To where you can kind of set up your week or set up your you know kind of uh, hunker down and 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 have things set where you need them. That's really interesting.
0: Yeah. Cause you don't know when it's going to happen. Like I've definitely, what's weirder is when I was younger, it was, it was always something bad happened and I, it led me into it. And then I've read enough that like, they actually talk about it being more and more not sparked by something. Mm-hmm. And those are the ones I struggle with the most. Like if I get broken up with and I'm heartbroken, I can go, I'm probably going to sink into a depression and I can start packing the mental camping gear uh-huh. and like sound the alerts to friends and family. But like when they come out of nowhere, that's when it's like, it takes me, and this is unrelatable, you being a man, but like as a girl, I don't know any woman that hasn't dealt with this, which is like, I don't get PMS symptoms every time I, I menstruate, but it'll all like, like three months will go by. I'll feel fine. And then there'll be this month where I'll have this shooting pain and I'll be in a bad mood and I'll just fucking be irritable. And I'll tell my friends, I'll be like, I don't know, I just feel like a fucking bitch today and I'm in this sharp pain. And I wonder if it's my appendix. And then all of a sudden I'll be like, I'll look at like my calendar. I'll be like, Oh, I'm fucking getting my period in three mm-hmm. days. And it's like, I've been a woman for how long? And I still get blown. <laughs> so it's almost the same way where when I start to head down, and it's not sparked by something, it'll take me a couple of days to be like, I just feel like hopeless. And I don't want to get out of bed and I've canceled on everybody and this doesn't seem good. And then I'll be like, oh, it's happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it'll, and those are the ones that are kind of the scarier ones that are like not sparked by anything. It doesn't feel like I have to, cause like at least if like a boyfriend broke up with me or I didn't get a big opportunity, it, it feels like there's a course That needs to be run. And after a certain amount of time, a couple of weeks, a couple of months, what have you, I'll go through the emotions. And it's somewhat linked to this event. But when it's just sparked by nothing, it feels like almost like this pandemic where it's just like, I don't know when this is going to end. And I don't know how to guide myself. And so I've kind of set into place just being able to alert people and to have just things from the past because this is the thing is that you can say this stuff to a teenager, but they don't know their bodies and their lives well enough to know they haven't gone through this experience. Like I feel like I've gone through at least 10 to 12 depressive episodes as an adult. And I say that's different from being a teenager because I just, I think they were somewhat worse just because I was a teenager and I didn't have control of my life as opposed to being in complete control of my life in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And those experiences have made me a 34 year old woman that can now at least predict a little bit. Yeah. And I think that's really helpful. And not to say that I'm not going to change or we're not going to grow or there's not going to be unique things that come out, but that's like, I would say the thing that I still struggle with is anxiety because my, my anxiety, I've had panic attacks. I've had them again, since I was probably in elementary school but wasn't aware of what they were until my 20s but only in the last two years have I started using drugs if I really needed them like I would just have the panic attack I would be a mess I'd be upset or like I would be having crazy thoughts and not able to sleep for days like all these kind of symptoms and only in the last couple of years my mom gave me some Xanax and I was like I don't know might as well try people take it and it was the first time that I was like, oh, I don't need to torture myself and go and like feel every horrible thought. Like if I can handle this in a mature and non-addictive way, there's no reason I can't take a Xanax when I'm literally can't sleep at night filled with anxiety. Mm-hmm. And i have only taken it three times, but I think I was very feel, fearful of drugs, mending my issues and now as i've gotten older i'm just like this is what they're made for liz i don't know what you're doing <laughs> like i don't know <laughs> what kind of martyr you're trying to be mm-hmm. having a panic attack fully it's like i was like what do you i just feel like it's me cutting myself on purpose for like just to show people i have blood it's like yeah we know you're sad take a drug <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. yeah
2: that's that's interesting too because you you uh, i don't know I want to, there's things I want to talk about that are in that special, but I don't know when it's coming out. So like, I don't, uh, I don't want to, you know, ruin it for anybody, but I mean, you, the, the way you described Xanax and just the, the, the whole comedy comedy is so interesting to me because there can be such dark things that are just made into, I mean, and you're laughing, like crying, laughing about something that's, that for some people can be very, you know, Uh, intense and, and the way, the way that you describe Xanax and, and, uh, you know, after doing, doing all these, what do you call them? Floor drugs. Uh, like when you may ask you, well, what were you taking? I don't know. (laughs) What do you have? But, uh, anyways, going through that, you know, panic attacks and stuff, like uh, people have mistaken panic attacks for heart attacks and things like that. Like, I mean, were they as intense as, I mean, I don't have, I, I'm sure I probably have some of the anxiety, but it minds more like really thick depression. But, um, you know, I have a lot of friends that, that use Xanax in in both the regular way and the way you shouldn't to, to, to deal their their issues. Like, you know, it's a pill, you swallow it, you don't go up the nose, uh, or anything else, but like, were they were they intense to the point where the xanax was able to help like the, yeah, did, did it I help mean, like right I, away or was it like a
0: well it was like within 20 minutes the last time i used it was probably like a year ago i don't know what sparked it all i know is my i was like i was i call it you know like spiraling like i i just one thought connected to another thought and i just started going down this tunnel of like like con- almost a conspiracy theories, but of my own life, um, and taking something very minor. So like, to me, my anxiety is always linked to, uh, hurting somebody or, or, um, being misunderstood or, um, uh, ruining my own life. Like just like, but I almost have like a teenage brain under my adult brain that like, you know how like you'll talk to I don't know how old your kids are but like you know all t- my little brothers are now they're like 24 25 but like a couple of years ago they would tell me a problem and I'd be like hey I know it seems like it seems really important now or this is the end of the world but it's really not and this is what I've learned and this is where you're putting too much emphasis on this and blah, blah, blah. and you can kind of talk yourself through because we've all we're now older, and you've every bad thing that could kind of happen to you has kind of happened to you, with the exception of the world shutting down. And we go through that together. But for the most part, it feels like anything that you could do wrong, any mistake that you could make, any kind of dumb thing that you could say, we've gone through. It. It's not the end of the world. You know, you can talk yourself through it. And for some reason, when I start to have these panic attacks, I'll I'll, I'll say something dumb at a party. I'll forget to return an email something very small and for whatever reason it like locks in and then I start spiraling and I start going like fuck 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 fuck, fuck. and I and, and then I start thinking of everything I've ever messed up and then I start I just and I and I can't turn it off it's like I'm in and it, it's it's I haven't really been like I had definitely suicidal thoughts when I was a teenager, but I really haven't had them as an adult. And this last panic attack was the closest I've understood to people just being like, I could just end these thoughts now. And that scared me. Like I had, yeah, I had that thought where I was like, I could just, if I could just like, I was thinking about like smashing my head into like my, the, the headboard of my bed because I was just in so much mental pain and then, no joke, it was like three AM. I was trying to think of who I could call, and then I was like, oh, "Mom, Xanax." <laughs> my mom gave me Xanax. <laughs>
2: my drug dealer, and I started, knowing you're not.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I started tearing apart my room, and I have like an I have like a little end table that has like every drug, like expired drug you could think of, from uh-huh. like pot that's probably ten years old that's just sitting there getting old, to like you know, Mucinex, whatever. And I couldn't find it, and then I remembered. I made a choice two years ago to just carry it around with me at all times. And I found it in my bag. I took it and truly within 20 minutes, I started to calm. And then 10 minutes later, I passed out. And then I woke up the next day and I just felt better. And I was like, fuck,
1: this is, this is it.
0: This is, this is modern medicine. (laughs) I was like, this is amazing. And I had been in, I was in the beginning of that spiral and I was feeling bad for about two days. It just, for some reason, just started to really hit hard when I was in bed alone. And that's when I was like, okay, all my tools, like I'm running out of all my real, my regular tools. I need to step it up a bit. And that was, I mean, that's a little bit of me swallowing my pride because I have always been like, I can just handle this and I've gone through it before and it'll be fine. But then there's also a part of me that's like, you don't have to, I think my therapist told this to me a couple of years ago. She's like, why do you feel like you have to feel everything or you're somehow weak and I was like I'm pretty sure my dad told me that but
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: I I very much in my father in that sense that like I had some kind of manliness pride but as a woman like that kind of like I can handle it it doesn't matter like me and my boyfriend have been watching a lot of like old um, uh, action movies like all the like Bruce Willis and and Sylvester Stallone and I was like (laughs) I fucking relate to this man. Like you could do it the easy way or you could do it the murder everybody and like have gunshot wound way. And I'm very much like, like to shoot myself to shoot somebody else kind of person. And I was like, that has to stop. I don't, I don't know when that developed, but only as an adult have I started to get better about like, not, yes, you should feel your feelings, but you don't need to torture yourself by feeling your feelings. And that's, that's taken like a long time for me too realize and then also put into like effect
2: yeah yeah and it also ties into like highs and lows like being a drone and feeling nothing like uh, on some medications I feel that way to where I just stopped taking them so like this is this sucks like there's no highs and no lows so you get nothing and then uh the other thing that I was thinking of when when like an episode would come on what's going on guys this is dewey i want to tell you about some new releases coming up from equal vision records as you guys know equal vision records is my family and so are these bands i really want you to check these out we've got hot water music with their 10th studio album vows out may 10th featuring guest appearances by dallas green of city and color thrice the interrupters and brendan and daniel from turnstile see them on the 30th anniversary tour with quicksand in the states in may and june Go there for vinyl and merch from all of your favorite bands. Check out Hot Water Music's new record and B Wells' new seven-inch now.
0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure, our premium subscription service that's available now. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. There's three tiers. Tier 1 tier two and tier three. Tier one is $5 a month, it gets you the ad-free experience. Tier two gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast, it gets you access to the videos of the interviews, it gets you merch discounts. Tier three is $20 a month, that gets you all of that. It gets you the Passcast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls with myself and other guests. We're gonna have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me. And having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not gonna have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm dot fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. Um out of nowhere, there's also that little bit of you think like betrayal like why this this happened for no reason like if someone breaks yeah. up with you or whatever like there's a reason but when there's not there's that little bit of like subconscious betrayal feeling that like what the fuck why are you doing this to me like you know I I, I think Absolutely. that would tie into it as well and yeah that's so you were literally laying in bed alone ready to bash your head in and kill yourself and then the next day after Xanax, stop. it's like, yeah, just to stop the thoughts, stop the feelings, stop yeah. the, the spiral. And then taking that Xanax, by the next day, you felt great or felt better. Yeah. That's insane. Within, I
0: was crazy within like 20 minutes. Yeah. And that's why, like, and I read it, an, and this is how crazy I am. I was in pain. I had never taken it before. And I was reading the side effects while I was about to take it because I was paranoid about taking it. Because oh, I get in a very... like i'm very much a researcher and i'm very like especially when i'm in like a panic attack i can it's like very conspiracy theory like i can panic about anything so while i was like okay i'm gonna take it i was like but we should be responsible about it and we don't want to die on this it's like i was like i did take tylenol two days ago does it mix with tylenol like just being crazy about it but like i also think i i think my over researching and my doing things very thorough is kind of stemmed from like a basic level of anxiety I have. And it just gets, it just gets to a point where I can no longer handle it.
2: Yeah. It, it seems to like, maybe there's a little bit of, uh, and I apologize to do that sometimes I do this, but I just try to like kind of think in these abstract ways, but, um, almost seems like that's something you can control is being informed. And it's kind of a control thing. Like when things are spiraling to then grasp for something that, you know, if I go and research this and know what it's going to do, I have that little bit of control of absolutely informed. And that's like a, like a lifeline.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. Very much so. I've, I've always, and like, what's funny about it is that part of me is what's like me and my my best friend started a podcast called Two Non Doctors. And we're we're both comedians. We're both idiots. Like, but we like I diagnosed her misophonia years ago because she was in so much pain. Like she's misophonia like it translates to the hate of sound. But she's one of these people that like somebody could be chewing gum and her reaction to it is like almost venomous murder. Like she's just, she's like, I can't sit here. This person is chewing. Like we have a funny, like a funny story where we get on a subway and she's like, I sit down and she goes, you can't sit there. Get up. And I was like, okay. She's like, did you see that guy? He was chewing like an animal. And I look over and he's just literally like, like you can't even tell he's chewing gum. I was like, you're insane. But We've been friends for so long. And I remember reading an article I was trying to figure out like, not that you want to be like, there's something wrong with my friend, but I was like, there's something there. And I found it. And I remember showing it to her and it was like, it just changed everything. She's like, finally, there's like a, like a, it's like a neurological disorder, but she was like, I'm not a freak. Like other people have this, this is a thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And we started the podcast because we've always been these researchers. Like if we have a problem, we don't just accept it. We go, okay, what is it? How can we do it better? Why is this happening? And that's, I think that stems from a place of just general anxiety, but also just a general distrust of how other people do stuff. Like I'm very, I very much have talked down. I have an old joke. I think it's from my second album where I've talked about talking down to doctors. Like I've done it a lot and I have no right to do that. Like I am truly a moron and I've told doctors they're wrong and it's not, I don't, I don't encourage it and I'm not right. But just that, like, that, like, I, I fully believe that when I go into a doctor's appointment, I'm not as informed as they are, but at least I know my body and I've done enough research that my questions are informed and it really bothers me when I'm talked to, like, I don't know what's going on with my body. And I've had that happen so many times where I'm like, like, I remember having really bad stomach issues and talking to a doctor and being like I think it has to do with diet and I think I might have these allergies and they're like it's nothing to do with diet I go it's my stomach like are are you crazy like I remember snapping at this guy and feeling bad that I was snapping but at the same time being like you're wrong and I can't believe you have a medical degree like to pretend like the amount of doctors that told me diet has nothing to do with your well-being is insane and then of course my sister is a nurse and she goes well And she was going to school to become a doctor and she didn't want to do it. But she was like, you know, they only have to take like one semester of nutrition. I go, that's fine that legally they don't need to, but you're a smart person. Like you should logically want to know more to help people. Like just because it's not mandatory doesn't mean you stop learning. Nothing I look up is mandatory, but I keep learning because I want to be helpful to myself and others. It's just not a good enough excuse. And I, That is, that is the horrible, um, as you can see me ranting, like that personality trait has been what's pushed a lot of people away, but has also been the reason that like, I have so many friends that come to me and go, Hey, this thing is bothering me. Do you know anything about it? I'm like, why am I, why am I someone's resource? And then I do know, like, that's the craziest part about it is I'll be like, oh, yeah, I did research three years ago when I was also having stomach issues. And this is what I found to be helpful. Uh-huh. And then you go, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a doctor. But
2: <laughs> that's insane. The, so and the, the Hippocratic oath uh, that the doctor takes from Hippocrates, he actually said, let thy food be thy medicine. Like, yeah, that's an actual literal deal like that's a thing (laughs) the nutrition part not even just be overlooked or anything I mean that's what you're consistently putting into the motor that's fucking it up like you can't put diesel gas in an unleaded motor but yeah you can and it'll drive for like a mile and it'll go fucking crazy but then that's insane to me that's hilarious so you're you're 34 you said I'm 37 so did you watch Seinfeld Yes. Yeah. Okay, so when Elaine sees her chart and they write it's difficult on her chart or whatever and yeah. she starts talking about uh oh I'll just erase it. And he erases it and she's like, It was written in pen and he just goes, Hmm and writes on the form and walks out. <laughs> That's what I was picturing right there was just the the what whatever they oh, write am, in the chart. I
0: absolutely that person. My parents have like a my parents are veterinarians and and that's probably also where like my my undeserved uh, confidence in medical stuff comes from because we didn't really go to doctors. My parents knew enough, and uh-huh. we grew up with not a lot of money. So, so my parents, like, first I do my own research, then I ask my mom, and then if it's really bad, I'll go to a doctor. But um, on charts, they'll write if the pet is difficult or if the client is difficult. So it'll be, like, client difficult or pet difficult, and they have, like, a whole coded system. And my <laughs> mom has real. showed me – my mom has showed me that both me and my cat are difficult. And I'm like, okay, all right, let's <laughs> calm down. You know, maybe I want a second opinion. Maybe I'm going to go to some competition. Maybe I should be treated. I don't, I don't like the way I'm being treated here, Mrs. Mealy. I don't <laughs> like it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I definitely know. I don't go often. That's the blessing. But I definitely know I've had to go to some specialists over the years. And I know I'm not welcomed. And they're not wrong. I'm not going to say how they feel about me is wrong.
2: <laughs> but, you know, what you, it's that control. You know what you need. You know what you, you want to get some, uh, uh, what's the word, um, validation for what you researched. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, you're right. You've done your homework. Yes, that'll be $300. Yeah.
0: So, like, I had really bad stomach issues for years. And I went to, like, a gastrological person, gastro- gastroenterologist. gastroenterologist and I- mm-hmm. Thank you. I was never going to be able to say that. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And I went to them and the first appointment was such a goddamn waste. So then I did a bunch of research and I will go, these are the tests that I want. And of course, some of them came back negative, but one of them came back positive. And I was just like, why am I the one coming up with ideas? Like that's where it gets frustrating where it's just like, okay, maybe I don't have Crohn's disease, but you should have been the one to be like, Hey, we should fucking get a test for Crohn's disease. And like when they came back with the stomach issue I did have, it's just like, why am I the one coming up with the ideas? Mm -hmm. And I get that like, we're all in charge of our own health, but it's like, you're supposed to be the one with all the knowledge and you're not taking, and this is just the problem with American medicine is that it's about prescribing a drug, getting you in and out. It's almost like a cattle mentality as opposed to, preventative medicine and then also like treating the person, not just treating the symptoms. Like it's, I know a lot of it is, is systematic and it's not a hundred percent their fault. And I am aware of that, but it is a little frustrating where you're like, this is so expensive and so unhelpful.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: so if I'm, if I'm going to a specialist we're already in a bad place, like it's already in a place that I can't handle. And so I'm like the amount of times I've also cried Like I was seeing like an herbalist because I was just so frustrated. And I I would just cry in his office every time. He's like, How are you doing? I was like, I'm doing all the things and nothing is changing and I'm not mad, but like you're you're my last ditch effort. I've done the drugs, I've done the whatever. I've been to a Chinese medicine person, I've been to an herbalist, I've been to a regular doctor, I've been to specialists. Like it just you get down to a place where you're just like when is it like, when are there going to be answers? And I think that's how everybody kind of feels when it comes to medicine, which is just like, why is this, why is this so expensive with such little
2: results? Yeah. It's just that, like you said, it's that cattle mentality where they treat symptoms like the, the, uh, my dad passed away last year in September and he, he had heart problems, but he had like an artificial valve and he was kept going to the heart doctor. Like i I have no energy, like I'm shorter breath, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, nope, the valve looks good. Valve looks good over and over again. But they didn't look beyond that. So then when they yeah. went in to say, hey, you got to have uh, double bypass heart surgery, he's like, what? And so they go in there, they open him up, and the doctor was like, whoa. Basically, like uh, what he told us was, I c- probably could have closed him up right there and just moved on. But I had to give him a chance. So he did a triple bypass. Uh, the heart had been so uh, enlarged and everything else from from the blockages and things that it was killing off his organs, like his kidneys and everything were all so wow. damaged that he never came out of the street. He came out of the surgery, but he was in the ICU for 12 days. And they said, hey, it's not. I mean, he's, his kidneys are failing and blah, blah, took right. him off the machine. He lasted about 45 minutes and passed that doctor just kept looking at the valve because that's the only thing that had been replaced and maybe they could have caught it early enough. Probably not. But that thought's always there. Like and my mom later in the hospital going to pick up something, saw the heart doctor in the hall and was like, Hey, Dr. Mack. And he was on the phone and he kind of looked up at her and then just looked back down and kept walking. And it was like, what? (sighs) Like, like okay, let's move yeah. on, you know. And and of course, to them, it is. It's just like a fireman going to another diabetic shock, uh, call, trying not to make a joke about what they saw on TV earlier when the family's crying upstairs. Like, it becomes a normal. Yeah. You know, you get desensitized to that thing, and, and it's like, it's crazy. But and I, I have, Did you get? And I
0: have empathy. What's that? Like I, I I really. And I have empathy. Like, I mean, they're also overworked and given too much of a responsibility too, sure. but it just, it just, and even probably more so going on with everything that's going on right now. But I think that's where it gets really frustrating where it's just like, I'm telling you, and that's where I would always get frustrated. I'm telling you what the problems are and and I'm asking you to, to, to treat me, not treat my symptoms. Like mm-hmm. this is, these are the issues that are lying. I'm telling you this. And that you know, and the biggest problem with our, the way our medicine works is that they're treating, they're treating your, your, your stomach. And let's say your, I don't know, your bladder as two different entities. Like they're not connected. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? So like if your dad went in saying that he was having kidney problems, he might go to like a kidney specialist when really he should have been going to a heart person because that's what's affecting his kidneys. Like we go, we separate things so much when it all is a a universal symptom, Mm -hmm. like a system. I mean,
2: yeah. But what were you saying? Absolutely. Well, I was just saying like, did you did you get to the bottom of what was going on with you and you're able to treat it now? And and you got to think like people, a doctor sees what, 10 people a day and maybe eight of them go in and say, hey, I don't know what's wrong. Can you help me? And two of them go in, hey, I think this is what's going on. This is what I've you think they'd be like breath of fresh air. Like, great. Like you've actually looked into this. Let's have a conversation instead of yes so and so like uh well you have this going on this going on and i'm going to figure this out real quick when someone's done the legwork you figure then you could have a better conversation and actually be stoked to have someone that wants to talk about what's going on instead of like hey i feel bad tell me why you know uh, yeah. but did you did you figure things out and get that under control eventually yeah, after all a combination these combination
0: of a... i feel i feel i would say better. And I, I controlled most of it with diet. Like I basically, I probably still have IBS if not had a really bad case of it as well as like small, small intestinal bacteria overgrowth, which I think I still have, but like I've tried everything to get rid of it and I Mm -hmm. can't, um, I have candida, which that I just, I've truly tried everything for like about seven years and just finally kind of gave up. Um, especially because, I don't drink because of it. Um, I don't uh, drink coffee because of it. I have a bunch of food allergies because of it that I avoid. Um, There's just a lot of stuff that I avoid and that I was able to give up. But then there's so much where like my quality of life was going down to a point where I was like, if this kills me eventually, at least I won't. Like I'm no longer in daily pain.
1: Uh
0: So that was fixed. But I do think there's going to be some residual damage from not being strict with my diet the way I was like eight years ago
1: mm-hmm.
0: but I I had probably I had probably really really bad IBS for probably my entire life as well as some food allergies that I didn't know of yeah and when I took when I took the food allergies out when I stopped drinking and when I did the paleo diet really strict for about two to three years I did the candida diet for about a year and a half almost two years simultaneously and I was God, I, the fittest I've ever been, just, just really fit, <laughs> um, but really miserable. Mm-hmm. And I think that needs to be talked about. Like when guys have like Tinder pictures of their abs, I just want to be like, but are you happy? Yeah. Because, <laughs> because I, I had a two pack and I was miserable. So I've, I've traded in my two packs for Reese's and happiness <laughs> um, oh, man. because I was like, and like, you know, I still work out. I still try to maintain being healthy in that capacity. But like being, I, I'm more aware of my diet and I can see when I fall off and I I can link stomach problems to direct things that I ate and have awareness of it and make changes. But I probably at least healed my gut in a in a, a real way by eating so strictly for a couple of years. Like I think I really, because I, I was talking about it with a, um my friend, but like, I was like addicted to pesto. Like I constantly had real stomach problems. And like, I would get now, what's crazy about it now is that I don't, I feel good most of the time, but occasionally I'll eat something that my body is like, go fuck yourself <laughs> and I'll get this sh- shooting pain. Like it doesn't even feel like it's coolly in my stomach, but it does shooting pain. And I've like fallen out of my desk chair and just held myself as I waited for it to like, that happens maybe two or three times a year. And it's like, I think because I'm not used to the pain or that I've kind of cleaned out my body a little bit, it's 10 times worse, mm-hmm. but that, and then it's funny cause it's like, I would do anything to avoid that. So like there's a mental note that's like, okay, we're never going to eat that again. And mm-hmm. I think that paying attention to that message instead of being like what I used to be when I was younger, which is like, man, I eat this stuff and I don't feel great. Oh, well.
2: Yeah. You do it again the next day. Yeah, man. So, the, I want to I want to wrap this all around because uh, I mean we've gone some interesting spots here, and I I do apologize to go so far deep into these uh, things, but uh, you're a comedian and you tour and you tour a lot internationally as and I was a former touring musician toured internationally all that stuff I know about. The clubs and the club bathrooms in the with no door or <laughs> one that doesn't lock or uh, maybe it's like CBGBs in, in New York there, which I've used that toilet before they tore that down. I've used that toilet that is now on a po- <laughs> it's on a poster that you can buy in a record store of this po- to- toilet on a podium. The most disgusting thing ever uh, going through and this is like going through that kind of a, of a cr- uh, career where you're Traveling all the time. So traveling on its own can fuck you up in your your digestion, your your mood, your your mental health, uh different water, different foods, different uh environments, and just like the the jet lag, everything else. How did all of this affect and then especially with the depression too? How do you get through or how did you get through that kind of a schedule and 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 travel? Like did it really just fuck with or was it just kind of your normal because you were used to it?
0: Um, in some ways, it's my normal. Like I, I've been touring. I've been a comic, so I started performing when I was sixteen. But uh, so I've, I've technically been performing since I for eighteen years. But I would say I've been like a touring comic for probably more like ten to eight. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what's crazy is it used to be driving. Like it used to be like 70% of my day was driving somewhere. And then as I started to have a fan base and had more money and had more opportunities, it turned to probably 70% to 80% flying. And while habits were unhealthy, I made them work. So like I always took the 6 a.m. flight. It was the cheapest flight. I'll still do it when things go back to normal. It's the cheapest flight and it's the flight that lands. Mm -hmm. Like I've always, I've always known that. And like, while it hinders my sleep and it stresses me out, I feel better being in the place I'm supposed to be so I can nap and kind of assimilate. And I weirdly feel less guilty in some ways. I, I don't even know how to describe it, but like, when I am home and I just need to sleep, I don't feel as guilty because three days that week I woke up at 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. Um, so then if I sleep until noon, it doesn't make me feel like trash, even though I know that kind of yin-yang thing isn't healthy. But I, when I was really strict with my diet, I was the type of person that like always had snacks on them. I would tell people ahead of time, this is what I need. I don't need to be that way anymore. But I, I've just been able to understand my needs better. Like even like what we were talking about before, like alerting friends to not being in the best place. I remember like I would have a tour schedule where I was traveling almost every other day for months at a time. And I'd go, Hey, I'm not going to be great from like October to December, just so everybody knows
1: Mm -hmm. like,
0: or like, Hey, email's probably best and I'll get back to you when I can. Like I think the same kind of, I would just over prepare for it to be hard. And then you just kind of get used to it being hard. Um, I don't know. I, I, because I like what I do, I've always been able to kind of just swallow the painful aspects of constantly traveling, of constantly being on a plane, of sleeping in a place that I'm not used to, of not seeing people I want to see, of missing big events in other people's lives. And I've had a you know, I've been, it's been fortunate that things have been taking off and I'm able to have a little bit more control over my career. I mean, it used to Who I truly don't understand what's going to happen after this, but I think for me, loving what I was doing and, and taking pride in what I was doing always kind of masks the pain of it. And even now being home, like I always like being home for about a week and then I start to get the itch. And even though the itch is painful, it's, it's, I don't know. I, I like it. I like, I like being in new places. I like meeting new people. I like having new experiences. I like looking forward to stuff. I like that my Instagram's better than most people's Instagram. Like you got to keep things <laughs> in perspective. I have a great Instagram. Um, and I, I don't know, I, I, it is a hard lifestyle. And I, I know, you know, that it's, there's so many things that suck about it, but I also think it's tolerable because at the end of it, I get to do exactly what I want to do. And that was what was really cool up until the outbreak is that I was finally touring for my fans. I was doing like these little theater gigs. Um, when, when I say little, I mean, little, like anywhere from 60 to 150 seats, but it was people that were coming out specifically to see me. And it was this place where I could do exactly what I wanted to do. And as a comic, that took a long time. Like, you know, you, you, it takes so long for people to allow you to do exactly what you want to do the way you want to do it. And that's, I think that's what makes it all worth it.
2: Absolutely. It's it, it, I've always respected comedians so much because uh, I mean, from a band perspective, like I think everyone, I think everyone should be able to just go on a walkabout, you know, get done with high school Take a year or two and just travel and figure out who you are. Like, you know, say the government gives you, you know, 10 grand, buy a little shitty car and drive around the country and just find out what you're made of. We did something similar to that where we started touring very, you know, right after high school, got signed and started touring. And you're finding out what you're made of, but you're finding out what you're made of with a group of people that if something really bad does happen, there's other people there where comedians... To me, and for the ones that I talked to on the show, too, is you're alone a lot of the time and you're doing it yeah. on your own. And so you're finding out what you're made of. But there's not a safety net to be like, hey, could you give me a hand with this or, you know, or hey, I, this happened. It's you're on your own. And but then the reward has got to be so much better, too, because the success that comes from it is because of the work that you did, not the work of you and six other people. You know, it's it's that's the way I would gather it from from the outside perspective. But I've always respected comedians because it's I mean, it's a tough gig and it's but on your own. I mean, Jesus Christ, like doing it with the five other guys in the band was hard enough. But I always had someone there to talk to or fight with or, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. puked on by or wake up with their <laughs> foot in my face, you know, in a van like it's it, yeah, it's two different experiences, but but being on your own so much and and being responsible for your career on your own is just I mean huge.
0: Yeah, I mean I, I in some ways I I think my family prepared me for that. I'm one of five kids, so I was like I think the ba- being in a band would be punishment for me as somebody that shared a room <laughs> with my siblings for so long and shared a bathroom with my siblings for so long that mm-hmm. I think that your yours sounds more torturous than mine. Um, I do really well on my own. I mean, that's the other thing is like they talk about comics being lonely and stuff, and the road can be lonely. Um, I I feel fortunate that I like being alone, and I've also know how to reach out to people. It took me a long time, but I now know how to reach out to people mm-hmm. and and create a safe space and 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 not not sink too down into loneliness. Um, before it's too late. And then also, like I said, I have more control over my career. So like up until the quarantine, you know, it used to be that I was like on the road constantly and like truly when I say constantly, like my schedule wasn't my own and I would take anything just to be able to make money. And I was getting to the point where, you know, I did shows in the cities, but like doing shows in the city, you don't really make a lot of money. And really it's just about keeping sharp and working on new material But So like real work to me is the travel and the performing an hour, you know, um, each the nights that you perform an hour, which is usually on the weekend. So I was up to working, like really working, like doing this traveling an hour, like twice a week. And that was like a luxury to me. So like leave on a Saturday, come back on a Monday, leave on a Friday, come back on a Saturday. So I have the whole week home. I'm only gone for two days it's too kind of very like wake up early, do my thing. So it's a little bit exhausting, but it's just like a burst of exhausting. Mm -hmm. And then I have the whole week to recoup and see my friends and be there for people. I could take weekends off if I wanted to. Um, I kind of was able to schedule things around my boyfriend's traveling schedule because he's a TV producer. So that also gave me some leeway. Like I was finally getting to a place where I was like getting the rewards from my hard work and Mm -hmm. being able to control my schedule. But for me, even in this quarantine, like I can just sit on my computer and get work done. And I don't feel, when I start to feel lonely, even during the quarantine is at night, because usually it's like take a shower at six, leave the house at seven, perform at eight, perform again at nine, go get dinner with a friend, hang out until midnight or 1am, then, you know, do it all again the next day. Like Mm -hmm. I would spend the whole day by myself, almost talking to nobody. And then I would have a couple hours of work and hang out and then do it all over again. And that's that's what I miss is like being home at night and not performing at night and not being able to be creative. Just, I don't know. I wouldn't even consider myself a night owl, but like I am a night leave the house person and that's gone.
2: Sure. That's all also kind of like... Um... A lot of people I've talked to that have moved from like a big city. This will tie together, but a, a move from a big city to a very small city like L.A. to Vashon Island in, in Washington. Mm-hmm. We're finding that being in that smaller town, they were starting to see things about themselves or things that they've been through or anything like that, that they had been masking with the constant noise of the city and the hustle and bustle of the city where that could be also dangerous to go from your nightlife's pretty full but the nighttime is when a lot of those thoughts and feelings come back and or come out uh when things are quiet and still and you're you know winding down not having that kind of not saying it's a mask but not having that uh little bit of a distraction could cause some of these things to come back you know more frequent which would be a little bit uh, unnerving i mean is that uh, does that make sense where
0: Absolutely. I mean, I've I have gotten through almost every single breakup because of comedy. Yeah, I can sit alone with my thoughts like or really numb my thoughts out during the day by just like doing admin work and, you know, writing and doing whatever I have to I can. But when the when the sadness started to creep up, I was active. I'm saying hi to people. I'm doing shows. I'm getting adrenaline from performing. I'm hanging out with my friends. I'm out until two. sleep, do it all over again. Like Mm -hmm. I I've always used both positive and negative. I've used comedy to, um, express myself, but also numb myself or even used it as a drug in the sense that like the adrenaline would cover up a lot of the bad feelings. And again, there's positives to it, but there's also negatives. And I, my biggest worry with the quarantine was who am I without comedy? Like I, not even just like Work like personality, like who am I if I'm not creating, who am I if I'm not performing, who am I if I'm not entertaining and I'm still doing stuff. Like I started a podcast and been doing some zoom shows, but um, who am I without traveling too? Like I've, I've actually uniquely built my career as somebody that tours not only constantly, but internationally. Mm -hmm. And you know, I, you know i don't know who who am i if i'm not constantly moving has been a little bit in the back of my head where i think there is some it's scary but i think there is there is something about rest that makes you analyze well is this what you really want and what is healthy about it and what's not healthy about it and what i do hope when things normalize which might be forever but when things start to open up when things start to normalize when performances come out again is that you start to make at least for myself start to make choices based on what you want as opposed to what you think you need to be doing.
2: Mhm. I absolutely agree. And that I mean and you have such a it seems like you just have such a good grasp on on so many things and and you know this this we're every I think we're going to come out of this super strong and it's going to be I mean of course it's going to be log- logistic hell trying to get avails and stuff for, for venues and things like that and releasing things. I know everyone's album's been re- pushed back and everything else, but I think once it comes back online, I think having it taken away like this is really going to – I mean, I think music, art, comedy, I think it is essential in a big way to me personally, um, you know, of being a, uh, an escape or a, a, a motivator – you know, like maybe not to physical survival as far as getting groceries and eating or getting health care. I think it's just as essential as those to mental health and happiness and overall uh, overall quality of life. But it's going to take a little bit for people to, to figure out how and find that out and really see that once it comes back and what they were missing. And uh, it just yeah. sucks so bad. That it happened. I mean, not that there's a good time for it to happen, but, but yeah. with it, we, your trajectory going, and it, I think it's gonna. I mean, that's that that special is fucking hilarious. And oh, thank you, I, I appreciate it. I mean, I've listened to all the stuff on Spotify and and uh, watched a bunch of YouTube stuff. Uh, I'm trying to remember how I stumbled across your comedy, and I can't remember. I don't know if it was. It may have been a YouTube clip that came up when i was watching something but i was like holy shit this is this is hilarious And i just started digging it down and then i was like wait she's coming to portland sweet and then i reached out and you got back and then you know here we are now but yeah. it's you're fucking hilarious you have you. such great i mean just timing and presence and uh, i mean just the the i love it it's awesome and i love what you do and i think it's going to be great you know going forward i think this i this is a hiccup i don't think it's going to hinder anything uh because you have the material you have the drive you have you know you're there you just need to let the gates open and that's not up to you to happen so once it does it's just going to be fucking flying and it's going to be awesome but um you know, I. You're my new
0: life coach. I,
2: I love this. <laughs> well, I, I, I always, you know, try to tie it together because I mean, I have people on this show for a reason because I like what they do, uh, I'm inspired by them, or you know what I mean. Like some people I've had on this show that I've been listening to or watching since I was a a teenager, a child, but you know, even discovering your stuff, you know, a few months back, it's, it's just, it's enriched my life because I can go watch it and laugh. If I'm feeling bad, I can go watch it and laugh. If I'm feeling good, I can go watch it and laugh. You know what I mean? Or get something from it. It's a very valuable thing. And, and I appreciate what you do. And I really appreciate you coming on the show and, and, uh, you know, having a a conversation about all sorts of other things other than comedy. But, uh, you know, if people want to see what you do, they can go watch it, but if they want to you know know something about you, they can come here. You know what I mean? That's kind of the whole gist of this show is to show someone as who they are, not necessarily what they do. So yeah, I think we did it.
1: Yeah,
0: I love it. Thank you so much uh, for having me.
2: You're welcome, and and thank you for coming on. I mean, I, I, I really appreciate it, and uh, I'm going to let you get – I've had you on the phone for an hour, and I'm going to let you get back to your evening. But uh, yeah. I'll be in touch um, on when this comes out and everything all right guys i hope you enjoyed that episode with liz mealy she is absolutely hilarious um there's a lot of things i learned about her on this episode and now you guys have as well so i'm really stoked to uh bring you guys these these episodes with comedians and actors and musicians and and all walks of life uh in the entertainment industry i'm stoked you guys are you know sticking around with me through all this and and uh yeah like i said big things coming can't quite talk about them yet but very soon you will you will be included in what's going on and uh yeah man i'm just so stoked you guys come back week after week it really means a lot um i love i love uh getting all the comments and the reviews and uh yeah all the thoughtful questions and things like that is just super cool so thank you very much for that um thanks for coming back week after week tell a friend about the show Uh, Be sure to rate and subscribe wherever you download podcasts. It definitely helps us out. And uh, yeah, I just love having you guys back week after week. So thank you so much uh, for all that you do and coming back week after week. And as always, we'll see you on the radio.